past week, we have seen the deadliest day for law enforcement since 9-11. We've also seen two gruesome videos of African Americans being killed. We need the wisdom of God in this country. And we need it terribly so. And we need the wisdom and the righteousness of God right here in the church. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The only way that we will ever have racial harmony is through relational harmony. And the only way we will ever have relational harmony is looking at the only perfect relationship that has ever existed, the relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit within the Trinity. Because since the beginning, they have been as one, three persons, one God. And so I want you to see how knowing how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit relate impacts your life and therefore impacts others' lives as we seek to be salt and light. First of all, I want you to recognize the image of God. The image of God. You know, God does something different with us than He does with the animals. With the stars and the plants and the trees and everything else, He speaks and they're formed. But with us, He does something different, doesn't He? He forms us out of the dust of the ground and breathes into us, as it were, the breath of life. So in order for you to be able to breathe, God had to first breathe life into you. And therefore, every human being on this planet has been created in the image of God. 
So we understand that the reason that taking another life, that ridiculing someone else is wrong, is not just because it may be against the law or it may be bad manners. The reason it is wrong is because you are demeaning or you are taking the life of someone who does not belong to you because they are fashioned in the image of God. Therefore, whenever you see someone being made fun of in jest and it becomes hurtful, Whenever you see someone being attacked, whenever you see someone who is not treated with the dignity of the image of God, you need to do something about it. God has put you on this earth for that very reason. And when you don't see other people created in the image of God, you are always going to devalue human life. That's why you will see a lot more about the news about a gorilla being shot than 44 people being murdered in this country every single day. That is why you will see a lot more about conserving animals than the 3,600 children, babies who are murdered in the womb every single day. Because this country has decided that the image of man is more important than the image of God. And you and I must protect that. We talk an awful lot about guns in this country with all the shootings that have taken place. And certainly I would hope that no one in this room would want guns to get into the hands of an unlawful person or someone who is mentally ill. I don't think anyone would argue that. But we act like the problem is people having guns when the real problem is the problem of the human heart. (laughs) It is deceitful. It is desperately wicked above all changes. And until our heart changes, nothing else in this country will change. James says, here's what it comes down to. He says it well. He says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. And when you begin to desire the things of man rather than the things of God, that's the place where you're at. And when you don't take up for other people who are made in the image of God, this is where they're going to resort to as well. Now there's something that we have to look at among us today. For the most part, we're all pretty much the same color and the same race. There's not a whole lot of diversity in a rural area. And the temptation for us is to think that Racism isn't really the problem that it's made out to be in other places. Can I say something to you? Satan is the most devoted racist you will ever meet. And if you think that racism doesn't exist, he's got you exactly where he wants you. Racism exists because Satan exists. And what he seeks to do is divide us between rich and poor, between black and white, between young and old, between male and female. However he can do it is what he seeks to do. And whenever you deny this problem, you are actually becoming a part of the problem. I will never forget walking on the campus of Tennessee State University in 2005. We were there for a a speech and debate tournament Um, getting ready to participate. And we had a couple of minutes before the round started, and so we went into the cafeteria hall. If you know anything about Tennessee State University, it's predominantly African-American school. And I remember walking into the cafeteria with five or six fellow, fellow white teammates and being surrounded by a couple hundred African Americans who were as friendly as they could be, by the way. But it was the first time in my life that I really thought, this is just a glimpse of what it must be like to be in a minority. 
See, until you've lived life through the eyes of someone else who is different than you, you really don't know what that's like. And he says you have to respect the image of God in every single person. And you also have to understand something about the convention in which we're a part of. I love the Southern Baptist Convention. Hallsville Baptist Church is a part of it. It's the greatest mission-sending force, I believe, in the history of the world. I'm proud to be a part of it. But we don't have a perfect history. The reason that we have the name Southern Baptist is because we split from our Baptist friends in the North prior to the Civil War, declaring that it was okay for some of us to own slaves and send missionaries. And to our shame... While the Civil War was going on and while racism was riotous in the street, many of us were singing nothing but the blood of Jesus while our African-American brothers and sisters' corpses were swinging from the trees outside. Many of us were singing Jesus loves the little children, red, yellow, black, and white, sending money so that they could be saved overseas and not allowing them to worship or sit next to us or drink out of the same water fountain as us or sit on the bus next to us. And we've made amends towards that, and we've made efforts at reconciliation, but it is still there. He says we have to recognize the image of God and the dignity of every single person. So he tells us about the image of God the Father, the Father to the fatherless who will plead the widow's cause. Then we also need to see this imitation of Christ, how we should respond Now listen, we know that there are police officers who abuse their power just as there are pastors who abuse their pulpits, just as there are politicians who abuse their policies. But for every police officer who abuses their power, there are thousands who stand on the line every single day in service to this country. And we ought to be thankful for them. We ought to pray for them. The reports that were taking place out of Dallas as the the riots spread and the police officers who were there were having a good conversation with the protesters. In fact, it was a peaceful protest, by and large. They were offering them water. They They were having good dialogue back and forth. And when those bullets rang out, rather than running away, those police officers ran in to protect the very people who were protesting them. That's what law enforcement is called to do. They are the ministers of God. Law enforcement, the Scripture tells us, is for our good. And Jesus says, you render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. Government is a good thing, the Bible tells us, if used correctly. And then we remember Romans 12, 21, which tells us out of the midst of all this, the temptation for anger, the temptation for resentment, is do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A lot of anger in this country. A lot of anger over politics. A lot of anger over racism. And it's not wrong to be angry, but the Bible says, don't be angry without a cause and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And so many of us harbor ill will in our hearts and we want to overcome evil by evil rather than overcoming evil with good. The Dallas police chief who is in charge for the last six or seven years is a black man. He's doing a, a remarkable job at all of this. His own son was involved in a shooting that took the life of a police officer and his own life 
son was responsible for it, at least in part. He says so himself. His brother was taken out in a drug bust. His own partner was out as well. You can read some of the stories. But I found interesting just, just what he kept on saying. He kept on saying, you know, this problem is not someone else's problem. This problem is our problem. This problem is my problem. And until you stop seeing this as someone else's problem rather than your problem, we'll never get anywhere. You, you say, well, I didn't have anything to do with this. Brother, sister, you are a sinner. That makes you a part of the problem. And Jesus says, through the very beginning of the Word, through the writing of Moses, that you are, in fact, your brother and your sister's keeper. And even if you think that you're truly innocent of, of all of this, I'm glad that Jesus didn't respond the way some of us do with our minds. Jesus was innocent of everything. He could have told the whole world, hey, not my problem. But He came down to earth and became a part of the problem. Gave Himself for us and took the problem on Himself that we might receive the righteousness of God. And so I just want to say a few things before we gather together in prayer. Listen to me. When you see someone of another race, you need to treat them with dignity and respect. If they are not being treated with dignity and respect, you need to do so. The very fact that there are people in this country who fear law enforcement is something that we have to address. When you see a police officer... You need to treat them with respect and thank them for their service because it's not every person who put their life on the line every single day. We thank God for men and women who are doing that. And then I want to encourage you in this. If you haven't done this before, you need to start having conversations and building friendships with people of different races and different ethnicities than you. Because it's not until you start to understand another person's perspective or listen to that that you'll be able to, to truly be able to help. And, and listen, don't demonize these movements. The shooter in, this, in Dallas no more represents the Black Lives Movement than, than officers who shoot innocent men represent law enforcement. We have to stay focused on what God has given us. So he talks about this image of God this imitation of Christ, and then he talks about the indwelling of the Spirit. Look at what he says in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. No one according to the flesh. That's why Jesus does ministry so much better than we do. One, because He's God, but two, because we look on the outside and Jesus is looking on the inside. We're looking on the outer things while God is looking on the heart calls us to that. And then he says, you understand that the whole purpose of Christianity, you understand what it is, that God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. He has made us right in Christ, and now we are to be made right with one another. And so whenever there is divisiveness, you and I as the church are to reach in and share the gospel. You and I are to be the salt and light that God has called us to be. So because we have been made right, we will also help and seek to make others right. But it's only going to come through the indwelling of the Spirit of God in our lives. Something that only the Spirit of God can do. Folks, our forefathers and forebears and mothers when they went through crisis in this country, they got down on their knees 
And they didn't get back up until God came down. And I pray that we would be people who are willing to do the exact same. I want to call us to the same desperation for a movement of God, that same commitment for the things of Christ, that same longing for the power of the Spirit. And regardless of where you are on all the news that takes place, understand that somebody's son, somebody's husband, somebody's dad, somebody's friend didn't come home in Louisiana and Minnesota and Dallas. And so we grieve for them. We pray for the day comes in which Martin Luther King quotes from Scripture that justice will come and righteousness will be made manifest as a river and as a stream. The ministry of reconciliation in Christ. So I want us to do something. This is a little unusual. I'm going to ask Amy to come and play here in the background. I want us to gather in groups of about five people. And if you're, if you're a guest here, folks, let's make sure to include them. If you get a few more or a few less, that's okay. But I, I want us to take this time as quietly, as reverently as we can, gather together in groups of about five. Dave is going to come up and, and lead us in some specific aspects of prayer. And so he's going to tell us what to pray for. We're going to pray for a couple of minutes. Then we're going to move on to the next subject, pray for a couple of minutes. If you want to go around in your group and have different people pray, you're more than welcome to. You don't have to. Listen, if you don't want to pray out loud, you don't have to. But I'm going to encourage whoever is in the group that's praying to, to pray out loud. Let's pray out loud together and and gather and doing this. And I know this might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I think something happens when God's people pray. I think we desperately need it. So would you right now, as, as, as quickly and as quietly as possible, gather around in groups of five, make sure everybody's included, and then we'll come and, and have you pray. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.